G'day and welcome to another Green and Gold Rugby podcast with Matt Rowley. We're sponsored by strike.com.au. Get yourself a uh, cradle from Strike, put it in your car, put your phone in it. Uh, when you buy it, use Green and Gold Rugby as your safe word, get a discount. Right, join, joining me tonight, I've got Timsy, mate. How are you? Living the dream, mate. You are, aren't you? Well, you're in Brisbane. Yep. Always I'm in, in Brisbane. Always Beautiful and warm. Yeah. Getting yourself on the, on the house ladder? Home, yeah, yeah. Home ownership. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's breaking news, mate. It's, uh, I haven't told anyone yet, so. <laughs> <laughs> you have now. Um, yes. Uh, and then, uh, also joining us, Logues, and I can't believe, I can't believe that the internet's pla- is, is, it's doing well for us tonight. <laughs> That's two kisses of death in my night, but I'm yeah, gonna, we'll I'm, see how it goes. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm playing loose and fast. But look, let's, let's, let's get our other guest on tonight. Right, joining me now, uh, Wallaby's Stephen Moore is actually at home for long enough to to do a quick interview and then he's probably straight back on a plane. Mate, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. It's a a very short visit to Canberra this time around again, but um, looking forward to getting out of Europe and getting into it. Yeah, well, mate. Look, it's it's been a little while since we've had a chat, and I mean, you've had a few changes in you know personal life. I mean, you've got a, a baby boy there now, is that right? I do, mate. Yeah, he's, he's about ten months at the moment, so he was born New Year's Eve. So it's yeah, he's kept us busy, and and uh, yeah, it's great to spend a few days with him now. And he's going through a, a pretty good period of his of his life. You know, he's starting mm. to crawl, and I think he's pretty close to walking. So yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's really exciting, mate. And, you know, it's obviously hard being away from from them when, when we're in Europe and, and not and away so much. But um, yeah, I guess it just makes you uh, cherish the time you got with them. Have you had that oh shit moment when you realise just how unchild safe most of your house is when they start to be able to move? Yeah, <laughs> yeah last time I was back, we sort of tried to do most of that stuff. So we're putting uh, little plugs and power points and gates up everywhere. And, Moving all the wine glasses out of arm's length, so <laughs> out of arm's way. So no, it's been it's been good. He's he's not too bad. We we keep him pretty well caged in with a few um, well placed gates. So okay, uh, he hasn't worked them out yet, which is good. Okay, um, and mate, look, the other little changes, and I know Timsey was pretty disappointed by this because he was trying to line up a trip. Was the Nando's? I understand it's no more. Yeah, no, that's right, mate. I've uh, you know, I moved on from that. I sold the business there. So uh, when my wife became pregnant, uh, we just decided it was a bit too much work with the rugby as well, particularly with uh, all the travel involved. And, and with any business like that, I think uh, the more you're actually in the store, the better. So uh, we decided for, for now we'll just leave it and, and maybe we might pick it up again down the track. But, uh, mm. yeah, I certainly learned a lot in my short time uh, involved there. And, uh you know, it's a great business to be part of, but uh, like I said, it, it's it's just something you need to probably be there on the ground a bit more. Yeah, I mean, so there's no no truth in the guys just taking too much too much free stuff from you, <laughs> taking take, yeah, taking well, advantage of your nature. Yeah, well, luckily I got out of there before the boys all moved over to Belconnen, so uh, <laughs> a lot of them are in the process of relocating over in that in that direction with our with our new training base, obviously at AIS. So. Um, I don't know whether it would have been a good or a bad thing to have it um, at this point in time, but I'm sure whoever has it now will, will do well out of it. Yeah, your food costs would have gone through the roof, no doubt. That's right. <laughs> yeah, everyone wants a free feed, mate, um, when, when you've got something like that. So, uh, you know, I'm sure whoever's got it now will be getting asked for a, a couple of chickens before too long. Okay. <laughs> so, mate, look, I, I put a question out um, today on Twitter, which you probably you would have seen maybe. Um, I was sure Nick White would give me some sort of, um, you know, lowdown uh, from, or, you know, some sort of tale from the travels recently, but he, he didn't. He, he came up absolutely dud. And in fact, what he said was, look, probably a good question to ask you is he said, most people have to spend the pre-season getting their bodies right, getting fit, 
you know, getting rid of niggles. But apparently, you're pretty legendary for not needing that, and that uh, you know you're, you're already ready. To, you're always ready to go. He, he reckons we should ask you what your secret is. Oh, oh look, I've trained Nick pretty well there. Just uh, <laughs> keep everything pretty tight. So I'll, um, <laughs> I'll have to have a chat to him tomorrow about that. But um, yeah, no, look, I, I mean the way rugby is these days, you don't get much for pre-season. Um, it's been the case for a number of years now. So um, you know, generally we don't get back to pre-season until sort of early mid-January. So uh, the last few years, I've you know probably. Had to make up for lost time there in January, and and uh, you know, Ben Benton certainly put us through our paces there at the Brumbies um, the last couple of years as soon as we arrived back. So uh, I think the key though is just to you know not take it too crazy through the Christmas period. It's obviously a danger period for all sportsmen that sort of period when you you know you've got to have that balance between having a break after such a long year, but then you know keeping one eye on the next season. So. Um, you know, that's something I'm always pretty conscious of and, and um, you know, making sure that I'm always sort of looking forward but uh, also having a break. Yeah, because you seem like, a, I mean, as you said that, I thought that made sense to me. You don't seem like a guy, I don't know if it feels like this to you, but who, who's, you know, excessively injured. Is there anything, is it just good Irish stock or is there anything that you can put it down to that you do? Well, look, I think I've been very lucky with injuries in my career. And, um, you know, there's some guys that have terrible luck in that regard. But mm. um, I think luck's a big part of it. And probably the other thing that I've done a lot of in the last few years is, is flexibility. And, and um, you know, as I've got older, I've dedicated a lot more time to that area. And um, that's really helped my my body to recover better and also to, um, you know, just make me feel better in general um, during the week. So... That'd be the big thing. I think, in general, with the, the calendar being so full these days, recovery has become more of a of a important uh, practice. And I, I think it's there's more and more resources going into that um, all the time because you simply can't train as much as you probably like to most of the time. You spend on recovery, particularly on these long tours. Right. So, so what what sort of flexibility work do you do? Is it Pilates or do you do something else? Yeah, yoga. Uh, no, just. Yeah, I've tried all that sort of stuff, and I, and I think that's that does have a place. But um, most of the stuff I do is just just stretching, you know, in the gym. So you know, hamstrings, glutes, lower back, all that sort of, you know, pretty generic sort of stretching. But just trying to do uh, small hits of it pretty regularly. So uh, that, that's something that I that I found works for me. And I know there's some other guys that are pretty similar in that regard. And uh, and I think as you get older too, I suppose you probably hold your strength a little bit more than you do when you're a bit younger. And, and I think you can afford to spend a bit more time on flexibility um, as opposed to just, you know, going in and just going hammer and tongs in the gym. So, um, you know, as you get older, you sort of get a feel for how your body works. Yeah, I, um, I was just saying we should probably steer away from this line of questioning because it's um it's real kiss of death sort of stuff isn't it asking blokes about injuries <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> so right. lucky you yeah. never had an injury uh, um no, but right. um, well i have had a few but I've, as i said over the over the course i've been reasonably lucky so. i did ask um phil war that question once and about five six years ago and then the next week he went out and got injured and was out for the next eight weeks so i've, I've yeah. always been yeah, always mate, been scared of <laughs> but um, mate, you were just talking about you know the preseason and stuff, and um, obviously you know with Jake going at the Brumbies, there's a little, there's been a little bit of uncertainty there, and they've started their preseason, uh, presumably just under Bernie and Laurie. What's the what's the feeling down at the Brumbies? Yeah, I was in there today actually doing uh, some running and uh, the balls all training, and you know look, it's all it's all systems go there. Um, I believe they're they're going to announce the the new head coach in the next sort of period of time, maybe by the end of the week, something like that, but I'm not exactly sure of the day, but um, yeah, so once that's all cleared up, I think it'll be full steam ahead, and and it's obviously not ideal to have your head coach leaving so close to the start of the season, but um, there's been a number of other things that have changed as well at the club. We've we've moved from our old headquarters at Griffith out to the AIS to a temporary um, training facility and uh, while our new facility is built at Bruce at the UC so you know there's been a number of changes and you know, I guess the challenge for us is to to adapt 
to those changes and make sure we still um, continue to improve because uh, that, that's going to be crucial. I think next year will be an even tougher year of Super Rugby and teams will get better and, and we need to make sure that you know, we're among those teams improving. Um, and at at the Brumbies, like you're one of the one of the older guys now who actually played with Bernie Larkham. You know, most of the young blokes wouldn't have wouldn't have been on the field with him. Um, how does yeah. how does his skill base translate from you know? Obviously, he's an amazing player, and it looks like he's done a pretty good job with the Brumbies attack. But how does his how does that translate from playing to coaching? In your view, having yeah, it's interesting, and I think um, very early on in Bernie's coaching career he probably thought that you know guys could just do what he did as a player and it was it was easy I think <laughs> he was a player he was a player that you know the game came so easy to him and he was so talented and, and um, you know so skillful that he made things look easy and uh, I think it, it maybe took him a while early on as a coach to to get his head around that you know the coaching side of things but in, in the last two years he's he's been outstanding and he's um you know, he's been great for our young backs and I think you've seen that translate now to the international stage with, you know, some of our guys moving on to the next level and, and doing really well. So, uh, you know, the value he has to our organisation is amazing and, uh, you know, both as a player and now as a coach, he's uh, continued to, to improve and, and continue to learn as a coach and obviously coaching under Jake would have helped him a lot and uh, coaching alongside Laurie as well. Who's, who's coached at the highest level for such a long time would have really helped him. So, you now I think he's well placed to, to move forward as a coach. Yeah. So, so mate, the one thing that was, I guess was reported in the press was, you know, when with Jake's kind of departure, it, you know, apparently a lot of guys just found out about it on sort of uh, social media and stuff. Was was that the case with you? Uh, not social media, but I found out through, you know, um, probably a third party, I guess. Uh, so. Yeah. Yeah, that, that part of it was maybe a little disappointing, I guess, but, um, you know, I'm not sure, you know, how that all played out. I'm not sure whether Jake had any control over that or, you know, how, when he knew or, you know, so yeah. it, it's all mere speculation in terms of, of that, um, you know, the actual communication of it. Jake did write a letter to the group explaining his, his reasons for, for, for leaving and, um, you know, I fully accept that. I understand his aspirations as a, as a coach, and um, you know, he felt his his best opportunities now were to be in South Africa and, and coaching the Sharks. And um, you know, in the two years he was at the Brumbies, he, he took us from you know being a real basket case to to you know really obviously um, you know competing right at right at the business end of the, of the tournament. So he put together a great program there, and. Um, you know, you've got to give him plenty of credit for that, and he, he's a wonderful coach, and I think he'll have, you know, good success wherever he goes. All right, mate. Well, look, um, focusing a little bit more now on the Wallabies, um, it's been a bit of a wild ride, uh, you know, the, this uh, rugby championship. It feels like it's finished off kind of a lot better than when it started. How how are you feeling about it? Yeah, look, I think that'll be a fair assessment. I think the Argentina game, was um, you know certainly very pleasing. Uh, I don't think we've we've consistently put a team away like that um, for for a while. So uh, you, you know I, I guess the Wallabies have probably scraped wins out rather than absolutely putting a team away. So I think that was a pleasing result for us, and our attack certainly functioned really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought there were some really good signs again the other day without being happy with the. A loss. I think um, you know there was enough there to to be confident about you know, about the tour and about where where we're headed. Yeah. So I mean, the one thing I was going to say. I mean, obviously you uh, in your role pretty core to the set piece. Uh, just the first one of those is going absolutely gangbusters. I think is the line out. It really seems to be motoring. What's what's the kind of the the difference there? Is it the number of options you guys have got? Is it the connection you've got with Ben Mullen? Is there anything in there that you think's made the difference? Yeah, I think it's a combination of everything. You know, obviously our combination at provincial level, um, yeah, helps a fair bit. And then I think. Every week, a number of guys, Benny and Rob Simmons and, and Blady obviously come together and, and put the line-out plan together and 
um, you know, generally Ewan's played four jumpers in most of the tests, which helps as well. So there's a combination of things, and and um, you know, it's it's been pleasing how that's functioned, and and uh, it's going to be very important again in Europe, obviously. So. Uh, yeah, I guess that's that's one part of the game that we can be reasonably happy about. You know, mm. There's certainly some others that we you know we need to continue to work on. What about the scrum? That that while well, I noticed an improvement uh, as we went through the championship. So has that of uh, just the you know benefit of work, or are we getting used to the the new calls or combination? Yeah. I think once again combination. I think early on in the rugby championship. You know, all teams were finding their feet, and we were, you know, we we were slow to probably adjust to the new laws. And it's taken, you know, I know personally it was a huge change for me to to have to strike, and, and that's something I had to work really hard on at training. And uh, you know, Blazey's helped me a lot with with that sort of stuff. And uh, actually, we chat to Michael Foley when we we're over in Perth, um, who we obviously played a lot in the times when the hooker, you know, struck for the ball and, and got some really good tips from him. So uh, that's that's been something I've had to work personally really hard on and it's been a big adjustment. But, um, you know, I'd like to think that's sort of improved as the tournament's gone on. And, and um, you know, it's an area that we're still struggling for consistency, but um, I think the general trend is getting better there. Because that, that was one of the things that a lot of people said, how can a hooker not know how to hook? But I guess what you were saying there is you'd never had to do it in your professional days. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, I mean, maybe very early on I might have done it a little bit, but, you know, it's so long ago I can hardly remember it. But I think for the most part of my career, particularly at test level, you know, I've been taught to scrummage as a second tight head, basically, so... You know, it was always don't take your feet off the ground unless you absolutely have to, or unless you're going forward, sort of thing. So, um, to then have to go to you know the, the whole striking process was it was a big change, and um, I think I think in general it would be good for the game, but it's certainly you know been there's been some teething problems with it, but I think eventually everyone will sort of work it out and, and continue to get better at it. How how far uh, are we ahead now? Or behind the European teams, have they played much under this? I'm just trying to think it through. They they would have all played several club games um, under the new laws, Heineken Cup and Premiership, that sort of stuff. Top fourteen, but not uh, not so test level yet. No test, I don't think. No. Well, you might get a jump test, on them then. Yeah, well, that'd be interesting. I think they would have, you know. Practiced and, and obviously played the new laws, so I don't think there'll be too much advantage there. If any, yeah. the last test matches these guys would have played would have been the Lions series. So uh, they're, they're coming in off a, a short run, I guess. It's, um, you know, so they'll, they'll be only getting together you know, this week and next week for their test preparations. Um, Steve, I just want to talk a little bit at, or ask you a little bit about physicality. You know, clearly the the rugby championship this year um, against the All Blacks and the Springboks has been very, very physical. You can probably expect more of the same, you'd, you'd guess, against England and, and Wales. Um, you know, you are probably one of the bigger, sort of more comparable forwards in your position, but we're generally a pretty light pack. Is there is there talk about that? within the Wallabies and, and is there a focus on matching that physicality and, and if so, where do you sort of feel you're at in, you know, from a, on a scale of 1 to 10, you know, are you at a 6 or a 7 where, of where you need to be or are you closer or further off? Oh, I think you're right about the physicality. It's been massive in this tournament, there's no doubt. And uh, I think probably the, the All Blacks and the Springboks are out in front in that regard. Um, I thought the Springboks particularly brought a lot of physicality both times we played them, um, both in Brisbane and in Cape Town, so um, that was that was pretty impressive, and, and that's generally the way they play. Uh, I think there's a, you know there's a, there's a fine line between having a physically big pack and being technically very good. So I think we need to find that that balance. Like you said, we we don't have a massive pack, so uh, where we do need to find some improvement is around our technique and making sure that if we do come up against a bigger pack, we can still compete. You know, because our technique is, is sound and and um, you know we can we can function without having to rely on pure size. I think 
that there's many ways to go about things at, at that level. And, um, you know, finding the biggest pack you can is one way, but then there's another way to be technically very sound and making sure that um, when you go into these big test matches, you can rely on, on your, uh, you know, your technique to, to hold you in good stead and you can just be really effective around that contact area. So, so, mate, mm. there was there was a time in the in the, on the weekend when I think all of us who aren't speedsters or backs um, with fancy hairdos, our hearts went out to you. When um, well, I thought you were going to talk about Sakopi Kepa. No. <laughs> well, yeah, that's another discussion. Uh, I thought you were going to talk about the break. Yeah, no. Um, yeah. I just I haven't seen a, a guy smile a smile that wide for a while. He he, he, was, he was in heaven. But no, I was I was talking about another situation. Um, uh, Steve, when, uh, you know, uh, bloody Israel Dag came around that corner of the back of that ruck. Um, yeah. And uh, I think all of us who've kind of been in that situation and realised, oh, my God, how are we ever going to catch him? You guys, uh, there seemed to be some discussion after that about what should have happened with the defensive structure. I've no doubt you've probably re- reviewed it. Just from a technical perspective, because, yeah. I, I mean, I was talking to Bob Dwyer the other night, and he was like, what's the def- defensive system when you end up with a front rower mm. having to mark a... Um, uh, you know, having having to mark Israel Dag. What what should have happened yeah. in that situation? What went wrong? Well, I think it came from a, a bobbled line-out. You know, it wasn't a clean line-out win, and they sort of went around the back of the line-out and did a few picking drives, and then obviously the, the back sort of swung around behind the ruck. So, um, you know, it's a combination of, of myself and the winger controlling that short side by, you know, communicating to the guys inside, and then I guess once that happens, it's... It's um, a case of, of guys reacting and, uh, you know, just having their eyes up so we've got numbers there. But, um, you know, I guess that uh, if, if you look at that, I mean, we, we probably put out another guy down that short side, but, you know, I just got gassed by a dag there. And as soon as I looked up and saw him coming around, I, I thought, shit, shit, I'm not sure how I'm going to get my hands <laughs> <play." laughs> So yeah. I think that... You know, it's a it's a tricky one because you know you it's it's basically a one on one. He he identified that and that's why he came around. So mm. uh, you know maybe if we had guys there, he wouldn't have come around. But um, we haven't reviewed it too much yet. Obviously, we haven't been together since since we basically arrived home. But we'll have a look at that, and, and that's that's been an issue in a few games for us. So we need to make sure we tighten that up. And, Mm. And just be really clear on our roles on that, you know, on that short side because teams more and more are looking to exploit that, and defences are becoming so tight that it's you know any opportunity that a team gets is they're going to they're going to look to take it. And the All Blacks are certainly very good at doing that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's one of the things where I think everyone's saying, you know, in the last two games we've scored as many tries um, as we did in sort of the last ten games with 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 Robbie as coach. So I think everyone's sort of saying that the attack looks to be on the way up. Just on the defensive side, it seems to be, I don't know, for some reason, a lot of the times, especially tight five guys are getting caught out. Is that? I mean, is there, is there something new going on? Um, are you guys trying to do something different there? Is there is there some new structures or, or new system, or is it the same old things and just you know need to do it better? No, I think I think we haven't changed too much around our defence. But what you're right though, there's certainly too many one on ones getting sort of guys getting caught out and, and beaten, you know, beaten cold. I guess so. It is something we need to address and 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 really look at how we. We're, you know, defending off, particularly off maybe set piece and things like that. We just, you know, because they're, they're areas of the game where you can be really clear with your role and you can really mm. uh, say, right, this is what we're doing off a five-man line out or a seven-man line out or you know, a scrum. Or, so, you know, maybe it's a case of us, you know, being really specific and just spending a bit more time on our our roles in, in those situations. And uh, I, I, don't, I, I do think, you know, the All Blacks were, you know, particularly, one of their strengths is identifying, you know, putting their backs on, on tight forwards and getting one-on-one matchups like that. So, um, you know, particularly next time we play those guys, it, it's going to be a, a big one. And, you know, Dag's very good at that. I think you've seen him do that a number of times in, throughout his career, just identify, a, you know, a slower guy on the line and take him on. And mm. Generally, with his footwork and pace, he beats him. Bastard knows how to make himself look good. Well, mate, look, um, look, look, looking ahead uh, to uh, the, the tour coming up, and you must be thinking, geez, 
um, you know, maybe didn't even re- uh, didn't need to unpack the bag even. But um, uh, you know, getting over there, I think Logs, you had some, you know, you had a question about Steve about you know what he was maybe going to get up to. <laughs> well, I was just interested to know, um, you know, how how much the Irishness comes into it for you. Like, do you, uh, you know, do you do you have family over there, and do you sort of catch up with them and and hook into the Guinness and go leprechaun hunting or anything, or do you? Is it is it pretty low key? Oh, look, I've got a lot of family in Ireland. Mum and Dad are both Irish, so you know, I've got plenty of family on both both their sides, and uh, you know, I'll certainly catch up with all those guys. When I'm over there, it's usually a bit of a battle getting tickets. I'm, I'm usually asking every one of the boys if they need their tickets that week. So uh, hopefully I'll be able to get a few from them. But uh, you know, it's always it's good to, to play over there and to see see my family over there. I don't get to see too much of them in Australia, but uh, you know that, that'll be a really special uh, week, I suppose. And Mum will be over there as well, and, and my wife and son will be there. So. Mm. Um, yeah, it is always a special time to play Ireland and with my, my background and, and with all my you know, family sort of generally in the stands there. So I'm really looking forward to that. Oh, it's not nice that they can go with you. And who's, um, you know, you're going to face some pretty good hookers over there. So who, who have we got? We've got sort of Rory Best from Ireland, I guess. Is it Hibbard from yeah. Wales? Tom Young's from England? That's who right, are the guys yes. that, think, um, uh, who are the ones England, you're yeah. most worried about? England have Youngs and Hartley. I think Hartley's back in the frame after he missed the Lions series through um, that, you know, whatever he got sent off in that Heineken Cup game or whatever it yeah. was. But, so you'd expect one of those guys to play um, <clears throat> the England test. And, and then, you got, like you said, you've got guys like Rory Best and uh, and Hibbard, who you know, I thought played really well in the Lions series, uh, particularly in that third test. So, uh, you know, they'll be, they'll be the, the main guys to to keep an eye out. Um, you know, scrummaging-wise, I think right across the board, they've, all five teams are playing and they've got strong scrums and, and uh, you know, that's the way the game's played over there. Most teams have, you know, have that as their foundation and, and look to, not just a, a way to restart the game, they really look as it, look to it as a as an attacking weapon and, and to draw penalties and score points. So uh, that, that's probably something different from what some of our guys are used to. So, um, you know, that's going to be a, a big area for us to focus hard on, you know, while we're preparing for the England test. So, mate, uh, just one last, my final question there, just on that tour is, so have you got any, managed to line up any Liverpool games? I haven't, mate, no. Uh, Chelsea are playing Man City on Sunday, but, uh, and also I think there's an NFL game on in London that a few of the boys are looking at <coughs> going to, so... I think San Francisco are playing Carolina or something like that. So, yeah, we, we arrive on Saturday and um, you know, it's good to do things like that when you're in London. There's always so much of, of those type of things on and it, I guess it keeps you out of bed on that second day um, after you <laughs> arrive. But once, once, we, once we hit Monday, it'll be a normal test preparation. And, uh, you know, most of our guys have, have spent time in London now. We've played there a few times and they're pretty used to the, um, you know, the routine there and... Um, and I think it's a good thing for us to have our first test there. I think it'll be a really tough game. And, um, you know, it's a really good indicator of where we're at. I think England will be, you know, that they've been really building. And obviously they're hosting the World Cup and, and it's a huge focus for them um, two years' time. And they're building nicely to that. So, you know, they're going to be pretty keen to get a result against one of the Southern Hemisphere teams, yeah. if not more. Well, I mean, as somebody said on our Facebook today, page today just as long as we don't lose to the poms um is is, is the usual thought um yeah exactly that's you know that's certainly how <laughs> where all the boys feel as well it's, <laughs> uh, it's a big game well look we and i think all of us have got you know some um uh, you know sort of creeping optimism as well and um thoughts about how you guys might go over there um so good luck mate um, i've got i've got straight out optimism yeah not creeping not just, creeping just, just genuine straight yeah. up yeah no, I think um, there's, there's been a good upswing there at the end of the championship. Um, and the other yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess the other thing is we, we as players, we really appreciate the support that everyone's um, given us. And I know it's been a tough period, and uh, and you know the, the rugby championship didn't didn't go how we would have liked entirely. But uh, 
you know, I think from particularly the last two games, people can, can see that the efforts there and, and the, the, the improvements are there. You know, maybe only minor in some areas, but the trend is, is going in the right direction. And, and um, you know, it's up to us now to make sure that continues and, you know, on that trajectory. Good one. All right, Amen. Mate. All right, mate. Well, look, thanks for, the, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. In, in, the, in the few minutes you've got before you get back on a plane. Um, no problem. Go well, and, and we'll speak to you another time. No worries, guys. Any time. Cheers, Cheers, Cheers Joe. Good, good luck. Cheers, boys. See you, mate. Cheers, mate. Yeah, right there, right there. So, uh, good to talk to Steve Moore there. Poor bugger. I mean, he's literally just got off the plane and he's he's back out again. It's been um it's been a long few weeks for those guys, hasn't it? It has. It's been a very, very long few weeks for those guys. I noticed, though, Steve Moore must be feeling better than Matthew Rees, the Wales hooker, who's uh, about to undergo an enforced spell away from rugby with testicular surgery. Ooh, I hadn't read about that. Never the nicest surgery, I can imagine. Yeah. One of the worst, yeah, if you've got to have some. Oh, jeez. Okay. So, anyway, yeah, so, well... We know more. Like two hours on a plane doesn't look too bad. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, we know more. He's firing. He's you know just dropped a sprog only ten months ago. So that's all right. Um, <laughs> Eloquent. Yes. <laughs> well uh, said. Yeah. But anyway, always great to talk to to Maury there. Um, and he touched on uh, quite a few interesting things, which look will probably come up while we talk about this last Test match um, and and how we did. So I think there's a there's a lot of good vibes that came out of it, um, and it'll be interesting just to see. Look, how, how many vibes do we think we should be taking? At the end of the day, we still went down 41-33. I think most people would say that the game was never really in threat from the Wallabies winning it, um, probably if, you know, apart from maybe the first 10 minutes or so when we were within a try, and then it kind of we're almost always um, more than a try behind. Uh, but there are a lot of positives to look at. Logues, what, what did you take out of this match? Uh, positives? I'd, I... Loved the way that in the midst of um, all of the, the blizzard of Quade Cooper hatred that was flying around Twitter and social media and every other place that he just had a really, I think, a blinder. Um, I mean, aside from that one loose pass at the end, he was just composed. He took the ball to the line. He tested the defence. He threw good passes. He kicked beautifully, a 100% record with the boot, albeit in, in a covered stadium, of course. Mm. Um, but I just thought he was he was fantastic. And he's, I think his attitude was reflected in the aftermatch interview where he was very subdued. He talked mostly about the team he talked about the focus on the tour you know i just he just looks like a different player he looks like a different guy and guys in the team have said that so i think that's a a magnificent plus i also think the scrum is actually a lottery i think it's become more of a lottery and i think that plays into our hands against strong sides like the all blacks and scrummaging sides like england and and so on i actually think you know, forcing the hooker to strike actually does us some favours, and I think it probably band-aids over a couple of our issues, but it gives us a good shot. Mm. And, uh, Timsey, what did you take out, mate? I took a renewed optimism. A renewed? Oh, yes, renewed. I thought, you know, they, 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 did, they did a good job against the Argentinians, but, uh, you know, the, that, that can happen. It's not always the easiest place, but when it clicks, it clicks. And but to back it up after a second week, we didn't get the win, but you know that we showed a good intent. We we worked hard. The support player was better. Few few issues still, but you know, it, to me, it's a, as as Squeak said, it's a the trend lines going the right way. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the big thing there was the attack uh, firing again, uh, looking a, a lot lot better. I think that. The, fa- the factoid that I put out on Twitter that went off and then went off on Facebook was that uh, in those last two tests, we've scored as many tries, well, actually more tries than we did in the last 10 tests under Robbie Deans. Um, well, I haven't counted I've up just, how I've many just done we some let maths. in there. I've done some maths. <laughs> yeah. so I'm, not, I'm not counting let in either, but yeah, yeah. Uh, we, were, we were at one try a game towards the end of Robbie's tenure. And uh, since Link took over, now at 2.14. Look at that. You'd definitely rather be on that side, wouldn't you? I mean, you know, you can always work hard on tightening your defence up, but it's a lot harder to learn to score tries. So at least if you've got the tries happening, then you can turn your attention to defence. You've got to look at it too. We we talked about it on this show that, you know, the the mental state was probably very fragile and it's hard to get up for that tackle when you're just feeling shit about how things are going. Mm -hmm. So a couple of wins, a bit more confidence, 
you know, sails full of wind, all that sort yeah, of stuff. I actually, actually thought the mental state, well, I mean, who knows what the mental state is from the outside, but the fact that they didn't roll over when they were down about nine or ten points at one stage, you know, they kept pushing, kept coming back, and they just kept pegging that lead back and putting in the hard yards, and even right at the end when it was game over, they still looked to play and keep playing and score, you know, which I just I just liked the whole approach, really. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was uh, a good point made tonight, actually, on ABC Grandstand, I think it was, uh, about there was a real key turning point in the game, actually, it was when Kuradrani made that intercept. Um, and Luckily, he made that intercept, otherwise he, the All Blacks would have scored with a three-man overlap. But... Exactly, exactly. So that's the whole point there was, you know, it was like a 14-point turnaround, which obviously yeah. kept us within that game. But, hey, that's, you know, that was one of the fantastic things that that we saw. Um, and so I just wanted to touch on some maybe some, you know, personal performances. And obviously one of those ones was Tevita uh, Kuradrani. He, he's just really kept coming on throughout this whole championship, uh, wouldn't you say, Lose? Yeah, absolutely. And um, somebody's somebody likened him on the weekend to a, a sort of mid-career Mortlock, you know, just getting stronger and straighter. And um, I think you might see the reverse with Kurandrani. You know, he he is already strong and straight. He probably needs to develop some of the subtleties that Sterling had always. Uh, mm. And you know, I think if he can do that, he's he's big enough um, to really create some some problems for some of the the massive centres in world rugby that, you know, that we're starting to see. And it's definitely a trend to bigger outside backs. And that's why I've always thought that James O'Connor picked a particularly bad time to make himself dispensable because mm. he was already starting to get dispensable as an 80-something kilo outside back anyway. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, Kurandrani's got a big um, a big future, definitely. Well, especially considering he's only 21. So I think you can probably um, expect him to, you know, get a bit more bulk on there as well if he wants to. But I think he... Mate, it's staggering, really, isn't it? Like, I couldn't tie my shoelaces at 21, let, let alone play test rugby against the All <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, I mean, and like, you know, to, cut, to come good like that and to, to work under pressure, <laughs> I mean, it was, one of the things I loved was, uh, you know, just how cool he was when he... He hadn't managed to link up with his support, went to ground, you know, popped. And also the, the supporting line that Tamua ran. Yes, was it was nice beautiful. on the outside, wasn't it? Lovely, yeah. yeah. And, but then but then came in and straightened. So I think a lot of yep. people would have just kept running that outside line. But he, mm. he came back in and made himself available, which was fantastic to put that. Mm. So how many times have you seen us bomb that a try? In, in, in that situation of late. Um, so that was good to see. Well, and now, to be fair, what we're talking about, O'Connor, you saw almost that exact same thing. Uh, was it one of the Lions tests where James mm. O'Connor got caught down that exact same, almost that exact same spot, and because he's so light, got sort of held, turned over, wrestled, and couldn't get it away, and we did bomb a try. Yeah. And that's the benefit of having a big guy like Kurandrani because you saw even when he got tackled, he went over the top of the tackler, won the contact, and he was and because he's so big and because he had dominated that contact because of his size, mm. that's what allowed him to just roll over and pop that ball up mm. um, because he had that control over the tackle. You know, a smaller guy just doesn't always have that, and, yeah. and that's, that is the difference in test match rugby these days, that those little things just make so much difference. Yeah. Now, you were talking about Cooper before. Uh, one of the kind of whispers I've been hearing is, um, you know, and a lot of people are talking about the, the captaincy, I think, Probably because James Hall's um, just, you know, is just clearly out of form for whatever reason. Um, and a lot of people are then talking about, well, what does that mean as captaincy? One of the whispers I hear out of the group as far as people that are standing up and really showing leadership, um, believe it or not, one of the main names being thrown around. <laughs> You're not going to say it. Oh, I my am. Lord. Quake Cooper. Are we in the Twilight Zone? Are yeah. we in the Twilight Zone? Am I sitting yeah. in the TARDIS? Yeah. So I'm, I'm not saying we're going to be seeing a C next to Quade Cooper's name. I'm not saying that. But what the, the, the inside line that I'm hearing coming out of the group is that he's definitely showing those sorts of, uh, you know, th those sort of credentials. Um, well, could I just have some acknowledgement? In fact, I think it was you as well, Timsy. I think it was both you guys here at about, about four, maybe six weeks ago on this very podcast when I... I said, I'm questioning James Horwell, uh, you know, returning straight to the captaincy. I don't think his form's good enough. I don't think he's he's leading the team well. Um, any comment on that? I got howled, <laughs> got howled down then. I don't think I howled. <laughs> I, was, I was with you. I was, I was a Moen yeah. supporter. Yeah, I'm, I'm rewriting history as we speak. <laughs> yeah, look, uh, I, thought, I'll, I'll... I thought he was ordinary on the weekend. I thought he was oh, really yeah. ordinary. Actually, ordinary, not just average. I thought he was very poor. Yeah. 
No, well, in yeah, my it's, it's a tough one to argue against. Yeah, in my player ratings, which are clearly never wrong, um, <laughs> I uh, I even yeah I gave him a th- I, was, I was sitting there hovering. You, you kind of never like to, especially a captain, especially somebody like James someone Hall, like the, but, like you love the guy, but exactly. he, the, his facts, his form's terrible. Yeah, I had to put him down as a three. And actually, the more you look back at the game, there's a few missed tackles, and and then, then there was that spilt pill. So it wasn't just a, a lack of stuff he was doing. There was some clangers in there as well. Um, so I mean, we could talk about the backs. I mean, I guess the the other bit I some people have been talking about is Matt Tamua. Did we finally have a second playmaker after six years or eight years of trying to get one? Did he did he show that spark, Logs, in your opinion? Yeah, I thought he did, and I've mm. always been a I've always been a fan. You know, I, mm. I thought he's always had good skills. He's always had the ability to play wide quickly, and that's something that that suits our style in Australia you know we always want to play wide quickly um, coupled with that he's a very very good defender and we don't have a whole lot of guys who who can be you know really strong in defense at 10 although mm-hmm. Quade Cooper did a probably one of his best defensive test matches on the weekend um, and you know couple all that with the fact that Tamua is playing his provincial rugby under Steve Larkham who's one of the all-time greats of world rugby I just think he's got all sorts of potential and you remember his defensive game for the Brumbies against the Lions when the Lions are on tour you know mm-hmm. that just showed what Tamua's made of I think he's just been I actually think they should have used him before now but mm-hmm. it's great to see him playing well yeah so I'm going to move more in your direction now Timsy though because obviously you're a specialist prop slash eight um, <laughs> yep. so so looking at the uh, <laughs> So looking at the, uh, the, the the Aussie back row, a lot of the talk, uh, I think, in the comments and everything else, So I, in my player ratings, I think I gave Michael Hooper like a six. And yep. one of the first comments that came in there was somebody basically trashing him, saying, what's with this Michael Hooper man, love? He's completely ineffective. Uh, time to ditch. What's your take on this? Is it is it Michael Hooper? Is it what was happening with the whole back row or with I, the whole pack? What, do you, what, what were we seeing on the weekend? I always think that the back row is the main area that it's a combination that's more important than a player. So mm-hmm. I would definitely agree that he doesn't look as good because he's having to do too much other work because the rest of the back row isn't doing what they should be doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it's a, it's a systemic failure more so than just him. He, he looks great when the, the rest of the back row is doing what they could and he's free to do what he needs to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's, he's carrying... He's, He's, run, he's having to run too much. He's having to do too much carry. He's too small, but he still works hard. Uh, you know, I just don't think the others, the six and the eights, are you know carrying the, doing the grunt work enough. Yeah, I mean, just before we maybe talk about where that that role goes, I mean, just looking at Hooper, I mean, one of the things we saw for the Tars was he really struggled at the beginning of the season, um, and 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 everyone was saying, look, you know, he's just getting blown off the ball too much. But then, as towards the end of the season, I remember um, when uh, when Scott Allen used to work on the site, he, he looked at some of the stats and he was looking at the, the role that Dave Dennis played, and that Dave Dennis yeah. was playing a very very wide role, really wasn't committing to any rucks. And as Dennis started to up that commitment, then you started to see Hooper start to make turnovers and have more of an impact as well. And I just yep. wonder whether maybe because of that combination there, I don't think Moen had the best of games at six, um, whereas, no. whereas maybe if you'd seen Fardy in the, in the in the form he's had at six, I think you would have seen more impact at the breakdown. I think that would have helped with Hooper. Um, yeah, absolutely. And then I think you look at, I think what people are doing, they're looking at his stats. I mean, he made like 15 tackles, um, and a whole bunch of runs. He's, he's, we don't seem to have it. We don't have a ball carrier at eight, and I think he's, no. he seems to be kind of playing that role, albeit with not with a lot of bulk. So I, I know Logs, you've got a, you've got a view on this. Where, where's it going? Oh well, I think if you look at the Springboks and you look at the All Blacks and look at the sevens, they're picking. They're they're picking bigger guys. You know, particularly a guy like Sam Kane. You know, he he's a big, heavy guy, and I think we're over probably. Um, the last several years, you've seen your seven primarily working as a jackal, you know, just getting over the ball and, and searching for the turnover. Mm. That skill is now, whereas it used to be the sole preserve of the seven, it's now quite common. You know, you actually see a lot of guys being able to do that fairly effectively, and it's not uncommon to see an eight do it or a hooker do it or even a good six do it. So jackling is no longer the sole preserve of the seven, and I think a lot of teams are looking at their seven now to be more of a carrier and a dominant tackler, mm. and I think that 
plays against Hooper because, as Timsey says, he's too light. Aside from the fact the guys aren't around him, aren't doing the work they should be doing to allow him to thrive, um, I think his time's limited anyway because mm. I think sooner or later the biggest – I think very soon, rather, the, the biggest seven will be back in fashion. So who – I mean, but – I don't think we've got one in, in the frame at the moment, do we? Would you put... Therein lies the problem. <laughs> yeah, would you put Gill or Pocock in that? I mean, I, you know, Pocock's got the biggest guns probably, but... Well, Pocock has the has the strength to be a, and the bulk to be able to play that game. I mean, if you put Pocock and Hooper side by side, um, Pocock is a much, much bigger man. He's not much taller, but he's bigger. So he can probably... You know, you'd match Pocock against Kane, whereas, you know, one-on-one physically, you're probably not... Hooper is not often going to get the best of Kane. Yeah. Okay. So it's probably Pocock in the short term, if he, or rather in the medium term next year, if he gets back from injury. Okay. Okay. And then look, just talking about um, the, the game a little bit more and some of the things that were happening in it. Um, you know, one I think another turning point that was in that game was when we uh, elected to kick for touch. I'm trying to remember when it was. About 50, 60 minute into the game, I think it was. Um, yeah, um, you know, we were down more than a try. Um, we elected to go to touch. Um, you know, did a did a catch and drive there, um, and uh, then Joubert basically, you know, called use it, and then within about a second had blown the whole thing up and and and, and ruled a turnover. Anyone going to argue against that being completely insane? No. I think you're with me. Logs? I, I'm pretty well with you. The only thing I can say is when the ref says do something, you fucking do it. Exactly. exactly. That's my take exactly. Like when you watch it, when you watch what's happening in the mall, I think it was the the wrong interpretation, definitely. But if you move your eyes three metres to the right and look at um, Joubert, he's, he's talking, 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 and then he actually steps right forward and he almost taps Will Genya on the shoulder. Mm. Like he's got his arms stretched out and he's yelling at him. So, I mean, as Timsey says, if the ref tells you to do it, you, you're not about to argue the law then and there. You just do as you're told. Mm. Yeah. And clearly they didn't and they got penalised. The penalty was wrong, but they'd been yeah. told what to do. I agree it was wrong. And I was probably one of the crankiest men in Australia at that very moment. Mm. But, uh, you know, the, the ref called it, gave him plenty of warning. And, uh, yeah, whether he was right or wrong, yeah. didn't do it. See, I'm not sure he did. And this is the t- difficult bit because you don't really have the audio. Um, and and it's not clear what Joubert is saying or not. But just a little while, a little earlier than that, he did in a previous uh, mall. He did call um, use it once, and he called yeah. it very loudly. And then he he gave quite a quite a gap, and then called used it use it. And whereas in this situation, as far as we can tell, he he called you know um, use it use it use it you know and then. And then and then blew it. So I guess what I'm saying is, you know, just like in a scrum call, he really changed his cadence there. Um, and so it's one thing to say, well, hang on, he'd said use it, but you know, there's that whole idea of you're supposed to get a warning like he had in the previous mall, and then you're supposed to get a bit of time. And if and and in that time, you're allowed to see whether you can progress the ball or not. And then the other bit he said, which was you're going sideways, just patently bullshit. I mean, you just you just you just look at where the mall was. But anyway, I, I think I'm flogging a dead horse here. But mm. it just seems, you know, we always seem to get these sorts of 50-50 calls that kind of go the wrong way. I'm, I'm looking forward yeah, to those going the right way. Yeah, but what, it's, it's, when you're, it's when you're playing on top of everything that they go the right way. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. we just have to work harder to make that luck come our way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the other thing is we talked about it with Steve Moore there where he seemed to say, oh, it's not so much the def- defensive structure, it's how we're working within it. Are you falling for that line, Logs? Because, you know, it's been a schmozzle. Uh, this, this rugby championship, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's probably a bit of both. Mm. Um, Defence is really all about fitness and commitment and adherence to a structure. It's probably those three things, I think. Um, so you've got to firstly have a structure that's right, and I, I, don't, I don't question the structure as a whole, but I question small parts of it and particularly how the wingers are operating because I personally think our wingers stand up much too flat um, and I think they should be tucking in behind the second man and and putting pushing players on the outside. Mm. You know, if you look at what we were talking about with Steve Moore where he got caught and Israel Dag gassed him on the outside, um, Ashley Cooper was up very, very flat and that's the only reason that they got through there. You know, if Ashley Cooper had tucked in, 
either Dag would have run into him and put Severe away, which still at least gives the cover half a chance, you know, Severe scores in the corner, or else, um, you know, might have perhaps pressured the pass and put it to ground, um, or else Dag decides to go around the outside and crowd Severe into the sideline and they tackle him, you know, so there's just at least, I'm not saying the try wouldn't have been scored, but there's more options mm-hmm. um, to stop it, whereas when you're standing up flat, you know, if the guy inside you gets gassed, well, it's game over, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's done. And I just, I think that's been an ongoing problem. We saw it when Ben Smith scored all those tries against James O'Connor, it was the same deal. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think those little things about the structure, but also uh, just the fact that we... Uh, it's a hard season, you know, and, and when teams score a couple of tries against you, you do get a bit rattled and you start looking around and not focusing on what you should focus on. So maybe it's just just that. It just take a bit of time to come together. Mm. All righty, well, look, let's look, look, let's look ahead then. Um, we've got this tour coming up. I think in the interview we had there, uh, there's optimism springing forth. Um, Timsey, what are you looking forward to happening over this? Grand Slam. Yeah, bang, as simple as that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so well, well, we're not going over there to lick stamps, are we? We're going over there to, to you know, win a few test matches. So let's just get it done. Can we drop the Italy game, or is you going to you going to throw that in as well? Go, oh, yeah, well Grand Slam with the kicker. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Is that I'm your good. midweek game now that we don't have midweek games? Is Italy like Clanethley or you know something like that? No, is... If you lucky you said that, not Munster, because if it's Munster, we're losing it for sure. Yeah, so, that's right. Um, that's right. You know, it's a. Uh, it's a, you know, why can't we have that? You know, a little bit of pizza to finish off the meal. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> so like some, uh, you know, what's, what's that? Uh, what's that? Oh, I don't know. I've forgotten the dessert. The coffee one. And it's, 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 <laughs> you forgot there, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Afogato. Yeah, that's it. Um, like, you sounded dead certain there, mate. You, you sounded very, very optimistic. Where, where's that coming from? Or is it just totally blind? Oh, it's blind optimism. <laughs> um, well, no, look, it's not totally blind. I mean, um, it's coming off the the knowledge that we have scored a lot of tries in the last couple of games. And if that trend continues, then, um, you know, we can fix our fix our defence. Like, I don't think our defence is actually that far off. Uh, and... You know, that's, in my view, a sort of an easier thing for guys at that level to fix than learn to score tries. The other side of that, too, is we're not playing teams with the same attacking calibre as the All Blacks. No, goodness no. So it's it's not going to have as many questions asked of it. Yeah. That, you, mm. know, you can call that arrogance if you want, but that that's a pretty much a fact, that we, we should do a lot better in that regard because it won't be as tested. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to look at the All Blacks results, um, and admittedly they're away. But geez, I would, I would love to, I would love to see an England side or a, an Ireland side, or God forbid, a Scotland side at the moment go to Eden Park or go to Wellington and come away with less than forty points on them. You know, I just yeah. think I think the All Blacks would. I think the All Blacks would probably put sixty on Scotland at home. Yeah. Um, so you know, the fact that we that we lose four tries to three, I think probably puts us in a reasonable frame of mind going to the UK. Yeah. Well, just to go over what that tour looks like, uh, we've got Australia v England, and that's Saturday the 2nd of November. Uh, then we've got Australia, Italy. So, yeah, the pizza is kind of the second stop on the tour, which is the 9th of November. Australia, Ireland, Saturday the 16th. Australia, Scotland, Saturday the 23rd. And then Australia, Wales, uh, Saturday the 30th. That's one hell of a calendar, isn't it? That's you know, that's uh, you know, five 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 tests in five weeks. It's a it's it's a it's a tough ask, isn't it? It is full on at the end of a long season. Mm. You know, when you've already played ten tests, it's full on. Yeah, yeah, but at least we're battle hardened. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah that's one way of looking we're at go, it. We're going in hard. They're yeah. they're they're all soft, and you know they've got to get their combinations and stuff together, and stuff's changed. Mm. They haven't played together as a country for how long? I don't know. Mm. Ages. Now, I, but, uh, I do feel more than we have for a while now, though, that we're just starting to see, and even though we're so injury-ravaged at the moment, I mean, there's a article that I know one of the guys is working on um, where there's 20-odd players who, you know, who are out um, at the moment. Despite, despite that, there feels like there's just, you know, there's a few 
connections starting to kind of to click in there probably more so in the back line it's got to be said um and uh and even though you'd say look it's not all perfect up front you know we know those players and they've been playing together all year so i kind of feel like you know those things are starting to get some time together and you kind of feel like we know what the potential is going in whereas a lot of these years going in with these deans teams you just had no idea what was going to happen um as far as you know how are they going to play what were the combinations going to be what was the latest selection um bizarreness going to be so i don't know i i guess that's that's where some of my um you know optimism would come uh, from that and so yeah i guess i go into that clutching those straws um i was just talking about the the tour dates there though um there's i missed a game there logs didn't i there's a there's a pretty important match happening <laughs> yeah there's um just before the england test so on the night of uh thursday the 31st halloween in fact which is probably appropriate given some of the gargoyles that are playing for england but uh the England Classics are playing the Australian Classics mm-hmm. uh, at the Stoop, at the Twickenham Stoop, which is the Harlequins home ground, um, on the Thursday night before the test. So that's going to be a pretty uh, – there'll be some old war horses getting around at that one. It's going to be pretty interesting to see how that all turns out. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I bumped into one uh, this week. So my daughter was having an orientation day at her new school. She's starting right. in year seven. And there was a guy stood in the in the in the ground, and it was um, Tim Kelleher. Uh, oh, TK. Play, yeah, played for the Waratahs. Um, he did. Played for the Wallabies. Was in my year at school, um, um, or was when he repeated his year, I should say. <laughs> um, not that, it, that not that that ever really happened at Joey's for rugby. For I mean, I, I don't want to have any start any scandals like that. But yeah, we ended up, we had a coffee together and a bit of a chat. Um, and he said yeah. he's going. He's he's he, he's heading out there to play as well, right? He is, he is, and he's um, he's always good value in those games, TK, because he's he still gets in the gym a bit, and he's got a massive set of guns, and he he loves it, and he's still fit. Um, mm. But most of those guys are. It's quite surprising, you know. It's uh, it's a pretty good lineup. There's guys like uh, so Richard Harry, um, Adam Fryer, Al Baxter's coming, uh, mm. big second row in um, in Warwick War and John Wellborn. Um, that's that's probably one of the biggest second rows australia ever could have fielded i think yeah uh john langford's probably going to get a bit of time at number eight and he's super fit you know he'll play 80 minutes of high quality footy um chris whittaker andrew walker ryan cross uh all those guys actually we've got a couple of rugby league ring-ins too um the the great bradley clyde is probably going to muscle up at inside center (laughs) um and uh matt adamson uh, you know, former um, kangaroo and New South Wales Origin player and uh, and Penrith player. He's gonna he's coming along as well. So we're gonna introduce him to the delights of rugby touring and show him what he missed out on in his uh, rugby league career. <laughs> Just as they as they say, play rugby and see the world, or play rugby league and see Wigan. <laughs> well, mate, just don't share the same corridor with any of the leagueies, or, or you know, or be careful when you venture out. Um, any, what, what, who, who are the big names for the Poms? Any, anyone that we're going to recognise there? Yeah, quite a lot. Um, I mean, there's a lot of the 2003 guys involved. Um, you know, guys like Ben Cohen and, you know, Clive Woodward's coming along. And it's ostensibly a, a celebration of the 2003 Rugby World Cup final. So it's 10 years since that game. So that's the right. the, the point behind it. Um, and it's it's raising money for various charities. Our, our share in Australia is going to go to the Black Dog Institute, which is... Um, which takes care of people who have um, depression issues and mood disorders, and uh, they're based in the Prince of Wales Hospital at Randwick. They're an, an amazing organisation, but, um, you know, a good one for guys like us because uh, men sort of 35 to 50 are overrepresented in that in mm. that category. Um, but, yeah, so a lot of those guys are, are going to be there. Clive Woodward, Ben Cohen... Um, Oh, who else is playing? Mike Tyndall's gonna gonna have a run. Jason Robinson, who scored a try in that 03 World Cup final, um, is going to be playing. Uh, Andy Gomisal, the halfback. So there's yeah, there's a lot of guys. J- uh, Jason Leonard, um, world record holder there for a while, most number of tests. Yeah, so there's some uh, some some big men and some some old men and some <laughs> some little fast men. So anything could, anything could happen. Mate, some of those sound too young to me. I mean, you know, when you talk through that Australian team, we're sounding—I don't know—I I think we're sounding a bit greyer. Well, yeah, luckily, I think, 
I think we take the classic thing very seriously, and the other countries just stack it with just recently <laughs> retired. Yeah, well, that's right. Well, Tyndall's probably the youngest, I think, that's actually playing. Cohen is going to be there, but not playing. Um, so, yeah, if, I think if you look at the actual run-on sides, they're, they're probably a bit more commensurate than the, the English guys have got. Uh, yeah, a typical England side, of course. They've got a, a support crew of about 25 and a team of 15. So. <laughs> well, Tyndall would have been on the pits drinking pints of vodka uh, for the week before, throwing dwarves. Throwing dwarves. So yeah, he, he won't be any good anyway. We're going to do our best to uh, get a few of them on the grog, you know, on Tuesday and Wednesday night at least. Smart, smart, mate. They're all binge drinkers over there. I'm, I'm not... <laughs> Um, all right, well, look, have fun. You're going as well, right? Yeah, yeah, I'll be over there for that and then uh, head out to the test at Twickenham on the Saturday. So I'll be looking uh, forward to, you know, probably try and go and see the boys train during the week. Okay, um, okay. Yeah, so it'll be, you know, I'm really hoping that they can muscle up at Twickenham and we get a win. Oh, mate. Well, we might have to get you to file a report for us for Green and Gold Rugby or something. Or at yeah, least tell us about what happens with the, uh, with the, with the, with the classic game. I'll take some late night video in the pub and, and post it on the site. Always good, always good value. <laughs> um, yeah, right. It's been yeah, it's been done. Yeah, just edit it carefully. <laughs> <laughs> all right, boys. Look, I think we've talked about everything there's to talk about in rugby. Um, Covered else? it all. Yeah, done. Done. No, I think so. I think that's about it. We just cross our fingers and wait for the tour. Yeah, already. Let's let's see this. I mean, it's been a long year, but geez, we're only actually we're only two thirds through it. Test-wise, this is this is the last third, so don't just ignore this. I know Barba wrote today or yesterday in his article that he's kind of he's done. done. He's done. <laughs> Turn him over, but don't give up on us, boys. We're still going to struggle on. We still got this this grand slam. Oh, and if you could, you just imagine it. I mean, I don't mind if we drop Italy. If we could, ju- if we could do that, what a shot in the arm, eh? Oh my God, to dream. Okay, live the dream. All right, boys, good to talk to you. Thanks for coming on. Thank people. Thank you for downloading, streaming, or however you got hold of it. And um, we'll I'll speak to you next time. Cheers, guys. Looking forward to it. Seven left.